Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. This is episode 101, entitled Matt Mullenweg. Why Gutenberg and why now? It was published on Thursday the 8th of November 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. If you never joined us before, you may be wondering why on earth was there that dreadful, dreadful music at the beginning and introduction? Well, it's intentional. It's supposed to be dreadful and we have equally dreadful music tagged onto the end. We call it the cheesy music, so stay tuned. It's the very last thing you'll hear on today's episode. Speaking of today's episode, if you wouldn't mind going to the wpbuilds.com website, there's a whole range of black buttons underneath the podcast player, and if you could click any of those, we'd be most grateful. It's always very helpful when we get iTunes reviews, but you can also share it on other platforms such as Google Play, and you can download the episode should you wish to. Also, If you notice, there's a menu at the top of the wpbuilds.com website, and if you use the links on there, for example, the subscribe link, you can subscribe to us on all sorts of different places. We've got a YouTube channel, a Slack group. We've also got a very thriving Facebook group. So yeah, go check that out as well. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, you could go to wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise. And also, if you're keen to get yourself a bunch of deals, percentages off coupon codes and that kind of thing off WordPress products, go to wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. WP Builds is brought to you today by GoDaddy. This episode of WP Builds is sponsored by GoDaddy Pro. Do you build websites for clients? If you do, you should check out GoDaddy Pro. Sign up for free and get tools to manage all your WordPress sites and clients from one central dashboard. Learn more at godaddy.com forward slash pro and by beaver builder the wordpress page builder of choice trusted by web professionals who want to unleash their creativity and get sites built quickly beaver builder is great software superb support and an active community go to wpbeaverbuilder.com to find out more and by wp and op one in four of us will be directly affected by mental health related illness WP and Op supports and promotes positive mental health within the WordPress community. This is achieved through mentorship, events, training and counselling. Please help enable WP and Op by visiting wpandop.org forward slash give. Together, we can press forward. We thank all of our sponsors for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Today feels like a, a bit of an amazing day to me because, well... Since we launched this podcast, we've had just over 100 episodes, and I've right from the very start always been saying to my co-host David, wouldn't it be good if we could get Matt Mullenweg, the co-founder of WordPress, to actually come on our podcast? And today is the day. And it seems really auspicious as well, because just around the corner, in the next couple of days, couple of weeks, you're going to be receiving WordPress 5.0, and bundled with WordPress 5.0 is going to be the new Gutenberg Editor. 
At some point, it will cease to be called Gutenberg and it will just become the editor, but it's caused all sorts of controversy. Some people love it, some people seem to hate it, and Matt's here today to talk it through with us. He talks about the editor itself, he talks about why it's been created and what purpose it serves. He also touches on the accessibility concerns that a lot of people have got at the moment, and we also touch on the classic press, Fork of WordPress, and discuss that a little bit. I'm really, really hoping that you enjoy this episode. I certainly am thrilled to bring it to you. Okay, I hope you enjoy it. Hello there, hello there. Thank you for getting this far into the podcast once again. Today I'm joined... Do you know what? I do this every week. I do this little introduction and I say who I'm going to be interviewing and then kind of like do this little paddy bit where I explain who they are. But I think today, slightly uniquely... I'm just going to say it's Matt Mullenweg and leave it like that. Hello, Matt. <laughs> uh, hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> great to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. I've got the feeling that most of the people who are going to be listening to this will know all about you and who you are. But I also have the feeling that in the WordPress community, there are thousands, possibly tens of thousands of people who join constantly, all the time, each week, adding, swelling its numbers. So... Stupid though this question may sound, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've got to do with WordPress? Uh, sure. So I've been working on WordPress a long time. Um, about 15 years ago, I co-founded the project with a gentleman in the UK named Mike Little. Yes. A lovely chap. And um, we were working on a project called BTO Cafe Log at the time, both as volunteers that ceased development. And so we try to keep the development going in what became to be known as WordPress. And, uh, you know, we had a few things that united us at the beginning around trying to make the install easier, uh, adopting web standards, you know, using good markup, these sorts of things that uh, later led to the five-minute, famous five-minute install, uh, you know, WordPress being sort of having a lot of accessibility and web standards from the start and um, our eventual mission to try to democratize publishing. So along with one other chap, Mike Little, you've been using WordPress longer than anybody else. Um, yeah, it's quite quite a story. I read today, actually, from cover to cover, I read something at milestones.wordpress.org, which is kind of like a, oh, yeah. a history up till about 2016. And I thought that would be a good thing to read. And yeah, all of that stuff is laid out over about 150 pages. I can highly recommend it if you're, <laughs> if you're interested. Now that now that you're in 2018 and WordPress is considerably, you know, more mature than it was back in the day that you're describing when you forked B2 with Mike. Now that you've got that kind of um, 10,000 mile view and you can look back at all of the things that have happened over those years, do you do you consider yourself to be a person who has brought this upon himself, or do you do you consider yourself to be like a lucky? a bunch of great coincidences happened and lucky things happened and you know which side of the fence do you sit on was this was this because of your hot spar and intelligence or, or was it fluke or was it a bit of both um i think it's impossible to separate luck out from any success mm. because uh you can do all the exact same things and without a few certain breaks or things going your way or great coincidences you know, even to the founding of WordPress, which really came down to a comment that Mike Little left on my blog mm -hmm. that kind of kicked off our collaboration. You know, maybe his 
dog started barking right before we leave the comment and he would have to go outside and he never would have loved that so who knows how things would have turned out yeah yeah that's a great thought isn't it you know it could have been entirely different but do you um you know now that you've kind of got to this position uh, wordpress is incredibly successful you know i don't know what the numbers are but i think the last time i looked it was 32 or something percent of the internet was based upon the platform that you've been the custodian of shall we say do you do you ever feel sort of out of your depth or kind of like you've got imposter syndrome? I have this imposter syndrome thing because I'm down here somewhere. And you're obviously dealing with something much, much bigger, much more important, much more critical to people's lives. How, how do you how do you cope with the responsibility that WordPress brings to you on a daily basis? Well, you know, we are doing things that have never been done before. Mm. There is no other open source CMS or any CMS really that has the reach, breadth, and market share of WordPress. So um, that means that everything's new, but it also means that I'm not imposting and posturing for someone else, <laughs> you know, because no one's done it yet. Um, you know, to go back to your earlier question on luck, I do believe that luck favors the prepared. Mm-hmm. So as an example, you probably remember from the, the Milestones book is um, – you know, I had been working on a movable type importer. Mm. And to when you make work on an importer, you have to write features so you can import the data. <laughs> so the movable type, for example, at the time, supported multiple categories. And, it, and WordPress only allowed one category per post. So update the database structures and change the interface and it all the work to support multiple categories um, so we could have this kind of lossless import for movable type. Uh, that importer shipped if I remember correctly, kind of right before Movable Type made a big license change, yes, which drove a lot of their users uh, into the arms of WordPress. So that um, that is a good example where we had done a lot of work and we were prepared for this. We couldn't have predicted or mm. even caused, if we wanted to, them to make that change. Uh, but by having the importer and everything else in place, all the work we had done prior to then, it allowed us to really take advantage of that opportunity. Mm. When you were a child, did you sort of exhibit uh, confident characteristics, you know, decision-making characteristics and the ability to kind of get on with things and get them done autonomously? Or you know, I'm just thinking that somebody like you presumably must have that in spades because otherwise, you know, how would you, how would you marshal the people around you on, uh, that you have to do nowadays? Or is that is that more stuff that you learn over time? Because I was surprised at the age that you that you were doing all this sort of stuff. You know, we were still, you were still with an age beginning with a one, um, you know, 18, 19 and so on. And just thinking about me, I was still, I was still riding around on a bike and fishing things out of rivers at that age. I think I've always enjoyed people. And so even though I'm, I'm an introvert, uh, I really enjoy the things of groups getting together and the learning potential of shared experiences. So as a kid, that was probably Boy Scouts, uh, being a musician, you know, you collaborate a lot, but you also stand on stage and get in front of people. And I loved all, there was, you know, clubs and nonprofits I was part of in Houston. Mm. Uh, I started the computer club at school. <laughs> uh, my friend ran the, actually, who was also a teenager at the time, ran the Linux user group in Houston. So okay. we were both named Matt. And I ran the Palm Pilot user group. He ran the Linux user group. So there'd be 30 to 80 adults that would show up every month. And we'd run these meetings. And so those sorts of things I think are useful because mm. you just kind of learn um, you learn how to exist in society, especially in kind of a business or professional context. 
I think I was also lucky in that, you know, um, lots of fantastic adults in my family and other people I was exposed to, and they would treat me like an adult. So um, you sort of learn how to carry yourself and how to act and be polite and all those sorts of things. Do you, I don't really have any insight into the kind of the structure of WordPress automatic, at the, obviously at the level that you're at. Is it, is it sort of like a, a, a nine to five, a job that you show up and you sit at a desk and you have a computer and you deal with emails and all of that and you go home and pack it away and then cut, or is it, is it more all over the place on airplanes and sitting in airports and doing things at three in the morning when, when you feel the inspiration? <laughs> uh, I think structure and process is definitely very helpful. Mm. Uh, the nature of my life right now is that I'm traveling quite a bit. Okay. Um, I, you know, Automatic is a distributed company with 800 people all over the world. Uh, when I travel, I try to meet local WordPress user groups. I go to WordCamps. Um, so, you know, there's lots of things that take me all over the world. I also think I enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I have lots of friends everywhere, and, and it's good to be able to, you know, uh, go to bed in one city and then wake up the next day in another because you're on a plane. Uh, I enjoy – I learn a lot when I travel. Like I said, I, I think I learn a lot experientially. Yep. And um, there's dozens of examples of that where uh, even like WordPress, you know, WordPress is unique among some of the other open source CMSs in that we've been investing for a long time in our mobile apps. And they're actually reaching the point now where they're getting quite good. Um, but part of that was because when I was in Indonesia or Japan, you know, 10, 11 years ago, even before the iPhone, or right when the iPhone was coming out, I'd see people with like a phone in each hand <laughs> and um, really using their phones as computing devices, not just as like SMS and telephone calls. Yeah. And um, and you could kind of draw the line. And by the way, this wasn't an original insight. This was also lots of people were saying it, um, that this was going to be the primary way people interact uh, with the Internet in the future. And so WordPress, if we truly wanted to marketize publishing, we need to be just as good. Um at that, as we are uh, on the web. In fact, we probably need to be better on mobile than we are on the web. I think the statistics, and I think it's 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 surpassed fifty percent of you know broad internet searching and and surfing and what have you is all done on the mobile now. I must admit, I spend a significant amount of my time stuck in front of my desktop, and then when I put the desktop away, the mobile phone comes out almost immediately, <laughs> much to the chagrin of everybody around me. I'm going to move on and touch on some of the more sort of pressing WordPress-related things, if that's all right. Now, uh, the the old adage, if you've been under a rock, you may not have heard of this thing, which I call <laughs> Gutenberg, but everybody else seems to call Gutenberg, so I'm going to go with that. Because in a, in a very small amount of time, you can count the number of days on, on you know, the fingers and toes. We're going to be seeing WordPress 5.0 come around um, and Shipping with it will be this new editor, which I think is going to drop the word Gutenberg and just become the editor. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is a ridiculously, sublimely simple question, but I wanted to ask it right at the outset. Why on earth do we need it? You know, I talked earlier about visiting lots of places and talking to lots of WordPress users. Um, I've definitely seen... You know, this isn't even new, but I would say particularly acute over the past few years. Um, you know, we've had a growth of these, call it cookie cutter online presences. 
So your Yelp page, your Facebook page, your Twitter page. And because these are usually advertising-driven models, they like to fit everyone into very neat containers um, because it makes it easy to put ads on the page and to parse your data and target you for ads. Um, and so what was great was these things brought people online, but they just sort of whetted their appetite. And the folks who, for whom they wanted to expand outside of those boxes, they wanted a, a place, a presence online, a home that really expressed themselves a lot more. And this is historical you know, um, audiences of WordPress like bloggers, which are still really key to us and the way I use WordPress uh, daily. Uh, but also more and more people creating websites and applications, including e-commerce uh, stores built on top of this WordPress framework. And, you know, you'd see them struggle with our editor and it would just break my heart. Hmm. You've probably had this where you align an image, but then it like gets stuck inside an element and you move it around and it's floated. and <laughs> Or you do an embed, but now, you know, the paragraph breaks. And now... I, I really started to pay attention to how often I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have those problems. But then I would pay attention to how often I would go into code mode. Ah, yeah, good point. In yeah. the editor. And I just switched to it really quickly without thinking. Yep. And in fact, you know, it's something that I'd worked a lot on in the day was making it so you could switch between visual and code in a really seamless way. And code wasn't pure code. It would kind of, you wouldn't need paragraph tags and things like that. So it was kind of like a friendlier, kind of like a, behind the scenes version. But I realized I was doing that constantly. And then as I started to see other like good WordPress users, they were doing that a lot too when, when I'd observed them or watched them where they'd show me something. And I, and in fact, until relatively recently in some areas like text widgets uh, on the sidebar, we didn't even support WYSIWYG. <laughs> so if you wanted anything there, you had to write code. Um, and you know, the, the whole promise of WYSIWYG was never really fulfilled. Um, and that it was never truly what you saw was what you get because there were all these elements behind it. And we saw so many times when people would copy and paste from other web pages or Google Docs or Word, how that would just sort of wreck the editor. And then the other thing happening at the same time. So you have this super trend of people wanting to express themselves in more traditional ways. You had this frustration that they were running into with our tools. And what was the third thing? <laughs> there was a number three, and it was very significant. <laughs> but number three is very important. It's gone. Sorry, it's, it's very early in the it's morning. A, yeah, no, it's okay. I'll tell you what, if, if number three comes back into your head, certainly interrupt me and, and mention it. I was wondering, as I looked at the, um, the Milestones book today, which has got quite a lot of screenshots, it kind of felt to me suddenly that, oh, you know what? WordPress isn't a thing, is it? It's not a... It's not a thing that looks like this. It was a thing which looked like this for a bit, and then it looked like this for a bit, and then it looked like this for a bit. It's changed quite a bit. It really has changed quite a bit. And so it just feels, you know, you can't stand still, can you? Um, whether it was Gutenberg or whether it was something else, it was going to change. But this is what we've got. Uh, for my part, I really like it. Um, I can see, for my personal use, I can see um, exactly how I'm going to use it. And it'll basically be drop a paragraph in, write the paragraph, and another, and another, with maybe a block here for a piece of audio, and then another block, and so on, and so on. So that brings me to this whole block paradigm. When you were 
when you were coming up with whenever it was, let's say it was two years ago or thereabouts, we we need to get rid of this WYSIWYG editor. It's it stifles people's ability to do things quickly. It doesn't it doesn't spit out on the front end necessarily what 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 you would expect to see. People find it hard. Where did the whole block notion come from? Was that was that taken from a SaaS product or another CMS or something? You you borrowed it and thought that's great. Look at that. Let's do that. Oh, I'm going to answer that and also say the third thing, which was what we talked about with people are now consuming the web, not just on monolithic browsers, on on desktops. They're seeing it show up in social feeds. They're seeing it using AMP. They're seeing it on their mobile phones. There's responsive web design. Um, Blocks, you know, came from the structure of HTML. The beauty of writing for the web versus being in a Word document is that you can embed these rich things. Um, and WordPress had these concepts like short codes or O-embed that would sort of get you there. Um, but again, if these, I think, were highly accessible to people comfortable bouncing in and out of code or typing things like short codes, which are sort of like a, you know, a version of HTML in a way with their attributes and elements. Um, but it wasn't like a great interface. Like I could go to YouTube and copy and paste a URL. And either put that on its own line, it would magically convert or use the YouTube shortcode. But what if I just want to say insert a YouTube and then search YouTube right in line there? You know? So there's opportunities to create like much richer interfaces and interactions um, with these blocks. And so blocks come from, yeah, what makes the web great. They also come from thinking about responsive design, where a block could have different versions of it, where it's represented depending on the content area that it's filling. It could even have different outputs depending on whether it's on a web page, on an AMP page, or being sent out in an email newsletter. So we wanted to create these fundamental building blocks, you know, like Lego pieces, that people could you know, create the sites and the experiences that they really imagined. Um, and I first showed... a. Uh, you know, mock-up of this, if you go all the way back to the state of the word in 2013. Um, the other parallel thread here is on the code side is it became very clear, the writing was on the wall that, you know, PHP powered HTML pages that you would click to reload and interact with things with. And sort of the Ajax way we were trying to do some real-time data in WordPress just wasn't the modern, it wasn't how the web was going forward. And so I knew that we needed a really robust core REST API in WordPress and that we needed to use it ourselves. And if we built the interface of WordPress as a true application in JavaScript, um, we could create consistent experiences across native apps on mobile, desktop, and the web. And it would be really, really fast and accessible. And we could do things that are literally unimaginable in the old WB admin framework, like, for example, offline support. Uh, of course, people are more connected than ever, but like you might be on a, I guess in the UK it would be a tube, or you might be on an airplane that is over an ocean or something like that. It's fantastic to be able to have access to be able to interact with everything you're doing in WordPress if that could work offline. Old, old methods, that would be inconceivable. There's no sort of direct line for developing that. But with a Gutenberg framework, um, we actually have a way that we could move towards that. And it's very exciting. So it, it updates the user interface and it updates the technology that WordPress is built on so that we have something, a foundation we can build on for the next 15 years. Because I 
I want WordPress to be around then. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, obviously WordPress, incredible popularity. I haven't really ever looked at a chart, but I'm guessing that it follows a very nice curve in, a, in an upward direction in terms of the number of users that have used it over the over the period of time it's been developed. Um, but I was wondering when you were casting your eye around, obviously some of those users over the last few years, I, I don't know the statistics, but it, it feels like some of those have opted for uh, nice, straightforward SaaS apps, you know, the Squarespace and the Wix and what have you. And they've got a, a limited range of tools, but they work and they, they're easy to use. What was there, was there an element of that when you cast your eye around and you thought, we, we need something to mimic the functionality because those guys are, are pushing ahead? You know, what we tried to do with Gutenberg was leap ahead of them. Mm. You know, I would use those and I've tested all of them. You know, there's elements in Gutenberg of the medium editor. There's elements of great mobile apps like it's gone now, but there was a amazing one called Storehouse, won the Apple Design Award a couple of years ago. Um, Wix's Squarespace, you know, there's elements of Drupal in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we can... Uh, like a great artist, like you can sort of take the zeitgeist of what's going on in the world and use that to inform sort of the message and the story that you want to tell. Maybe not to do it first, but to do it best. And that's always what we've aimed for with WordPress. When WordPress started, you know, people said there were too many blogging tools and there wasn't room for another one. And so I felt like we were very, very late, which is funny now because people think we're like the grandfather of blogging. <laughs> It's like, no, it was it was around years before WordPress was even a twinkle in anyone's eye. Um, we just were able to take uh, it, be extremely user-centric, which is, I think, is something we've always done well, be extremely developer-centric at the same time, and create an ecosystem, not just a product, create a movement, not just software. I, um, I tend to mix with, when I speak about WordPress, sometimes it's about clients, but I I don't really talk about WordPress. I just explain the interface of WordPress. But I, I talk to to other WordPress professionals about WordPress all the time. And one thing that sort of occurred to me was I wondered in the in the process of designing Gutenberg, was it was it designed with the end user, my clients, if you like, who mostly don't want to know about WordPress. They just want to use something. <laughs> or was it designed primarily with me, you know, the, the person that's building the stuff? Or or was it both. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the reasons that we didn't ship Gutenberg last year was we really wanted to make sure we had all these constituencies well represented. Um, I would see things that were built for clients and sort of the, the hoops that people had to jump through with custom fields and custom post types to do fairly basic things like have a repeating block of headshots and short bios on a page. You know, how do you do that so your client can't mess it up? Well, what a lot of people would do is they would sort of, you know, use plugins or custom post types of things and create fields that were pretty static and it looked nothing like on the back end what it would eventually look like on the front end. And, um, you know, rearranging them was kind of out of the question unless they were maybe modifying a short code with an order by. You know, all these things were, were pretty inaccessible. Um, and really all it was was a repeating block of content. I mean, that's that's one of the things we started Gutenberg with, was saying how do we make like that not just possible but intuitive and easy. And that's going to make clients' lives easier. It's also going to make developers' lives easier because you're not having to create these custom bespoke interfaces um, that really aren't that user-friendly if we're honest about it. 
for every possible permutation of the things that, by the way, happen on like half of web pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like if you, if you go to about pages, like somewhere between a quarter to 75% of them are going to have like pictures of people's faces and <laughs> a URL and a little info about them. It's not like this is like rocket science, but why was it so hard? I mean, think how hard it is Yeah. in a pre-Gutenberg era. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you get tools and things that, that come in and people become familiar, don't they? They, be, they get their way of doing it and they figure out a way and, a, and a, you know, it's a plugin or it's some hack or whatever, whatever they've learned to do. They do it. And, and I presume that inertia, it's human nature, isn't it? You've, you've learned something. You don't really want to learn it again. Um, and if it's possible to carry on in the same old way, sometimes that's that's easier. So I guess at the minute, you, you in particular are in that space where that that spectrum of thoughts about Gutenberg are being played out. You know, on the one hand, you've got people who think it's utterly amazing and who love it and cannot wait uh, for the 19th of November or whenever it is. Uh, you've got the people in the middle who are, yeah, take it or leave it. If it comes, great. If not, we'll carry on as we are for now. And then on the other side, you've got... And I'm going to use this word. I'm going to say fury. You're going to. You've got people who <laughs> seem to exhibit uh, emotions approaching on anger, and 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 you know that they're cross about Undoubtedly. it. Undoubtedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is not about code. This is not about WordPress. This is about you. How do you ha- how do you handle that stuff? Because I know that when I go online, on the very rare occasions that I receive an email which is nasty or or, or cuts into my work or what have you I, I i live with that for a long time and it upsets me and at the minute that seems to be going on all the time so from an entirely personal point of view how do you handle all that um you know what i do is i try to look behind whatever there's might be a nugget or there's always usually a nugget of something in there even if it's delivered in an imperfect way so I don't think, you know, if someone's angry about Gutenberg and, you know, yelling at me uh, on Twitter about it, they're not pretending. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're really having those feelings. Yeah. And that's really valuable input. And they might not even know themselves why they're angry or why it's triggering them. It might be a combination of things. Um, it might be 100% legitimate. We've certainly made mistakes. <laughs> so that happens. Uh, we've definitely messed things up. It might be kind of... A frustration with having to change things might be a fear of obsolescence, which is terrifying. I think there's also something uh, that the platforms happen. You know, I I used to not see this, but it's really become clear to me this year that Twitter, I would say, is especially bad at polarizing people. Oh lord! Oh, this, yeah, I completely agree. There's not enough space to say anything meaningful, and this the the intention, the motive behind just about anything could very easily be taken in polar opposites very often, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we've had certainly heated arguments in the olden days on the mailing list or IRC or, you know, track or the bug trackers around WordPress issues. But I think what made them different was we could enforce some community standards. Um, So we would do some moderation there if someone did a horrible ad hominem attack or thing. So so that would kind of clean up the room a little bit. And it would also be more contextual. So we'd be arguing about an issue next to the code, next to the mock-ups, next to the things, not next to 
some infuriating news about <laughs> politics or <laughs> all yeah. the other things yeah. that you're you're next to on Twitter, which I think maybe even primes you to have like to just want to have an impact on something, you know. Uh, modern poli- political scenario, I think, are especially disempowering to everyone, including myself. And you just want to be able to like change something, or like maybe Gutenberg's not the camel; it's the straw. <laughs> <laughs> and people are just like, oh. because sometimes the re- responses or the reactions do seem a little disproportionate. Um, I also try to remind myself and others that this is just software. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> and it's software that we're iterating faster than WordPress has ever iterated on. Now, 5.0, we're planning to do on November 19th. We've already planned 5.01. We're going to do point releases every two weeks, much like we've done major releases of Gutenberg. Look, now we've done 42 releases of Gutenberg in the past year and a half. That's We've never had anything move at that velocity in WordPress before. And that's beautiful because it means that we've got more testers of this code than we've ever had of any code that's ever come into WordPress. I mean, there's now, you know, when I looked a few days ago, it was over 600,000 active sites. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. 11, 12,000 posts per day being written inside of Gutenberg. And that's just a subset because we're only, we only get stats back from Jetpack sites. It's not available on WordPress.com yet. It's not available, you know, it's not in core yet. So this is just kind of people beta testing and the response has been huge. So the inevitable um, reference now to the kind of reviews on WordPress.org where, you know, for a period of time it had 16, 12 reviews, something like that. And then out it came, I don't know how long ago now, several, let's say a couple of months or something like that. And uh, and it suddenly it started getting slammed. And I looked about an hour ago and the, the number of reviews so far is 1,453 829 one-star reviews, which bring the aggregate total down to 2.3. Now, aside from how those people put that stuff there, whether or not it's a, you know, does it represent the the views? Is it uh, people going there and posting just, you know, for reasons of just dragging it down or whatnot? Um, Reading the the Milestones book today, it feels like you've had moments like this in WordPress before, you know, the GPL stuff and what have you a few years back. Um, Have you have you given thought to in in the future, in the very near future, this schism? I'm going to call it. That's very dramatic. It sounds like something from the sort of medieval era or something. But um, this sort of schism, which appears to be beginning, have you given thought to how that 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 process is going to be healed and smoothed over once once the next few weeks are out the way? Yeah, it's funny. The thing it reminds me the most of actually is when we first introduced WYSIWYG in WordPress. Okay. Which was hugely controversial and actually caused a fork of WordPress at the time. Um, and that was, I think, 2.0. Um, so I guess it's kind of fitting that 5.0 a decade later <laughs> where, you know, there's a fork of WordPress now. <laughs> um, I think that... A lot of concerns are about what is going to happen. When things are more in the past and have already happened, it becomes a lot easier to look at like, well, what's the reality, not what's the fear of what might happen. So shipping is going to help a lot. And I actually, I would be far more worried if we hadn't already had this really wide beta of Gutenberg out there. If you know, there weren't hosts like Bluehost that are already pre-installing and pre-activating it with every new install. So that's 
that's a lot actually. I don't know their exact numbers, but and you know, I was talking to them the other day, and they said we could share this publicly, and they're going to put out some numbers. Like, like, so how does this change your support volumes? Or like, what's are people asking you about it? Like, it's even a plugin; it's not even fully integrated. And they were like, it's indetectable. Huh. That's interesting. And this is, you know, they have I think thousands of support people, <laughs> so they they definitely. Um, from a training point of view, it wasn't a huge deal. From a new user point of view, people are just getting used to it, or they turn it off, or like whatever it is, like it's fine. The sky and did that not fall in. Thing is, well, and this is—I totally recognize—it's a huge change. I, I've said it myself. This is probably the biggest change we've made in WordPress since the introduction of plugins and themes. You know, it's it's that massive and that important. Um, that's why we made a classic editor plugin. It's first party. It's made by us. Well, we've committed to supporting it, and it works great. <laughs> I actually installed it the other day uh, to test it out, and also because we want to improve it a little bit to provide some more like per-user options on opting in or out of Gutenberg and things. But um, yeah, I mean, if you really like WordPress as it is today, um, 5.0 is just going to be either 4.98 plus the classic plugin or plus the Gutenberg plugin. <laughs> We're keeping everything else out. Uh, we actually branched it off the 4.9 branch, not off Trunk, uh, just to make sure it was a really, really tight, almost no new code release. It's only things that have already been sort of widely tested and used. And so you know, when 5.0 comes out, you can have whatever experience that you want to prefer, whether you're ready to step into this new block world or whether perhaps indefinitely you want to stay in kind of the existing thing. It's The way WordPress is written, it's kind of easy to support the existing thing. And the way we architected Gutenberg as well, including one of the criticisms of it, which is, you know, it fundamentally saves and reads from HTML. Um, that also makes it backwards compatible. <laughs> you can edit a Gutenberg thing in an old editor, and it, the world doesn't end. It, um, it, it sort of feels to me like from that answer, you know, you've got the data in from a, a variety of hosting companies and what have you, and, and it feels then then like you're you're bullish that, in a few months, let's say months from now, that this will have become um, uh, perhaps something that we talk about less, should we say, rather than the community still being in schism. You're very much hopeful that people will realize, okay, this is done. We've we've got there. We've reached that point, And now we can just calm down. And WordPress as a whole can move on as opposed to uh, being divided and arguing about it still. Let's hope that's <laughs> the that's the, the end result anyway. It's just software, <laughs> and, and it'll have bugs, and we'll fix them, and there'll be things we improve, and there'll be mistakes we make as well. I can promise that future WordPress will have bugs, future WordPress will have security issues, future WordPress will make huge errors. We have since the beginning, and we're made by humans, and humans are fallible, so <laughs> that's the one thing I can be certain of. I, I get petrified when I click the update button quite frequently, you know, when WordPress updates and things, and you know, I get a development site going, and I back it up, and so on and so forth, and that's the level that I'm on, and that, that makes my heart race. You, on the other hand, <laughs> you millions of sites. Does that kind of stuff keep you awake at night, you know? I mean, I know you could, you know, you've tested this, and you've tested that, but presumably at some point um, things are going to go wrong for somebody somewhere. Do you do you live and breathe that? Does it keep you awake at night or are you very calm about that? And... I mean, these are fundamentally technological systems. We're not in quantum computing or anything. Like you do, you can have finite inputs and outputs. And so 
you can test quite a bit and we can get feedback from host and we can, you know, WordPress's update procedure has built-in rollback mechanisms. Um, there's commercial services, actually one I'd recommend for you called Jetpack Rewind, which literally is like time machine for your WordPress. Every single thing that happens, you can click any point and rewind to something uh, that's old. And actually just yesterday we announced Activity Log, which is kind of a different view on Rewind, which shows you everything going on with your site. And in fact, you can see everything going on with all your sites in one place. So this, what we were, I mean, Rewind, I don't even want to tell you how long we worked on that. It's been better part of two years, three years. Um, to really make that core technology. I never wanted anyone to be scared of doing something in WordPress ever again. So it's an undo button, a universal undo button for anything you can do in WordPress. You can brick it, you can white screen it, it can undo it. And that is the the sort of level of confidence that I wanted to, um, to give people. I have a colleague, actually the first ever support person um, that uh, joined Automatic was... Uh, fellow he went by pods in the forums his name's mark riley yes. he's based in the uk in uh, luster and um and he was he and i were the top posters on the forums <laughs> and he's definitely passed me up i'm sure he has like at this point probably 30 40 50 000 posts and he used to tell new wordpress users things uh, that i thought was so beautiful he'd say there's nothing you can do that i can't fix oh. so just click around try it out click the buttons you know, it took me back to my early support days where I would volunteer at this nonprofit in Houston. And on Saturdays, people, generally older people, would physically bring their computers, which are like desktop towers and monitors and stuff, and uh, and ask us to fix them. And I was no expert, but a lot of what I would do is I would just kind of click around the menus <laughs> and see, or I would look in the built-in help, or I would use, uh, this was maybe pre or early days of Google, but I'd use like InfoSeek or Excite to search for answers. And um, and we just kind of discover the answers together. And that was always like a very empowering thing. Mm. It's, um, I, I expect it's something that you've become, you've become better at having done this for so long. You know, you've been through these major changes before, the ups and the downs, the, the community being cross and and so on and yeah, I guess I guess like anything in life you just become better at handling it and figuring out ways and as you say at the end of the day it's code but but a lot of people get get quite wound up about their code don't they and, and what have you I think I think a great debate makes the product better so I don't mind it at all and I don't worry about controversy I worry about apathy mm. so in a few days, it's going to ship with uh, WordPress 5.0. Is that uh, th there is no equivocation about that? It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. There's no there's no situation where you would uh, revise that. No situation. No bit of politics that's going on that would change that at the moment. There's a hundred situations that could revise that. <laughs> that's a good answer. Why would we? Why would we? You know, <laughs> why would we ship it no matter what? Um, what's the saying? Heck or high water? Like hex doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's have it be smooth. No, we're we're aiming to have a very smooth. Honestly, the release of 5.0 should be really anticlimactic. There's already over a million sites. I think 600,000 on Gutenberg, 500,000 on Classic Editor, for whom all they're going to notice is a version number change. Like they will literally see nothing when 5.0 comes out because they've already opted in to one of the two experiences that'll be possible. Um, so it should be a pretty non-event. But yeah, November 19th is what we're aiming for. And it's actually super achievable. We're on track for it. 
Um, but there's certain, you know, if bugs pop up, if like major issues, if we start running some test upgrades and get huge feedback, if you run into some nasty browser issues or other important client issues, yeah, we would definitely push it back. I remember um, reading a little comment. I, I believe it was a quote of yours, which said something along those lines, you know, deadlines are not arbitrary or something like that is what I have as a memory. Um, so yeah, that's good. That's good because a lot of people, I, I read a lot of stories recently where they were, they were sort of implying that perhaps the, the intention was to have some sort of big release at WordCamp US where, you know, it would all happen and it would, at least that would be done. I, I responded that it's so funny. If we want to make a big splash, I would do it at the WordCamp. Yes. Which is <laughs> December, I think December 9th or something. Yeah, so I was like, wait. No, it would be way better to do it on stage, yeah, like Steve yeah. Jobs style. Oh, yeah, oh, yay. <laughs> um, and actually, again, as a way to prove that we have been thinking about this from the beginning, we actually published alternative schedules. So we've already said we have a slip date of November 26th, if there's something that needs to push it back a little bit. And we published the dates we'd publish in January if we needed to push it back a lot. Um, so we've already... Uh, published a few alternatives uh, timelines depending on how the software goes but ultimately it's the quality of the software and the users interacting with it that will drive the release it's not a political thing I'm too old for politics now. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I suspect I'm a little bit older than you, and I've got the same feeling. <laughs> I am. Um, some people are so kind of taken by Gutenberg's, um, you know, uh, the, the fact that it shouldn't be in core that they they've gone out and, and forked it. You know, we've got this classic press fork. What, what what's your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously you, you've got a history of forking software, but the <laughs> but the um but, but it was a slightly different yeah, but it, that that had kind of run its course, hadn't it? That was that was stagnating and needed to be picked up. This one's slightly different because WordPress is thriving. But do you have any thoughts about this um, classic press, I believe it's called? Yeah, they talk about a key feature of democracy being bloodless revolutions. <laughs> I think I think that's so important for open source. So I will never begrudge a fork because it is, like you said, literally how WordPress started. Yeah. And one of the most important things you you do. It is a little puzzling to me in that uh, we are shipping away and officially supporting a way to have a Gutenberg-less WordPress with a classic editor plugin. So if someone wants that, you're able to stay with all the benefits of the security, the infrastructure, the updates, the hundreds of developers, all the things that you get from WordPress that uh, ClassiFrex is going to have to recreate. Uh, so you could have a lot of those benefits. And that is one of the points of our plugin infrastructure, that you can create vastly different um, experiences and really control your WordPress experience, uh, regardless of what project leadership decides, including me, and uh, without having to fork the software. Um, but there's other philosophical reasons for forks. You know, maybe you know, there's other valid reasons to do it, and I'll definitely keep an eye on it and see how it goes. Perhaps it's something we could learn. We're both GPL, so if they create something really awesome, we could always bring it back into core WordPress. Nice. Um, if we'd have had this conversation a few weeks ago, I, d I don't know that this this little bit would have come up, but the the accessibility um, the accessibility conversation has cropped up a lot over the mm -hmm. last couple of weeks, um, especially you know, centered around Gutenberg. And just to paraphrase, there's quite a few people 
who believe that the the, the new editor Gutenberg is is not quite ready. Uh, there are certain problems with it, and we've had the resignation of the uh, the accessibility lead. I'm not sure how to pronounce that person's name. Ryan Wright, team representative. There we go. Um, and you know we've had a report which came out yesterday, which I notice uh, you'd actually commented on on the WP Tavern mm-hmm. blog um, and so on. So that's my next little question really I suppose is speaking to the accessibility crowd uh, the people that are very much up in arms about it uh, are are you happy to press forward and iterate this or um, do you have something for them in terms of their concerns and obviously a lot of them are saying it's not ready we need to draw a line we need to pause and ship it January whatever that might be so I'll, I'll hand it over without a question but with that hanging in the air. If you look at the history of WordPress, um, web standards and accessibility have been key to us from literally day one. Uh, Our mission is to marketizing publishing for everyone, not just people who are sighted and good of hearing and able to use a mouse and all these sorts of things. Um, We, when building software, you do balance all constituencies and you can't make something for everyone all at once that's perfect for everyone. That is a reality. It is not the ideal. I know it's, it's, um, it feels good to say like, we're gonna, for every single possible need and for every single possible person, but that's just not how you can create software. Um, now, what happened with WordPress is, as I said in the comment, some dysfunction in how we coordinate together kind of bled out into the public. Yeah. You know? Um, There actually wasn't an accessibility lead until 5.0 process started when I appointed one. Um, There's a group of volunteers who met weekly, but they were, you know, we didn't do a good job coordinating their work with the work happening in Gutenberg. That doesn't mean no accessibility work was done in Gutenberg. In fact, many of the developers of Gutenberg are very well versed in accessible technologies. Um, Some of them use or have family members that use it themselves. We did testing along the way with accessible technology needs users. And, um, you know, Gutenberg's full of things that, you know, countless, actually at this point, I'd say many months have been spent in improving different elements of it. Uh, It is easy to criticize and say X should have been there from the start. And you can pick almost any area of WordPress. Privacy should have been there from the start. Um, design should have been there from the start. <laughs> Scalability should have been there from the start. Uh, you know, well, you could say that. And I think you can say the criticism, accessibility should have been there from the start. Often that's code for I'm unhappy with where it is now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I mean, there was a rebuttal. Um, I forget who, but again, it was on the WP Tavern website where the somebody had been at great pains to point out all of the, the accessibility work that had been done. Um, but as as you've just said, the answer to that is that it's it's ongoing, and you wish probably that it was um, further. But it was a breakdown in communication, which again, like you say, bled out into the into the universe, and we all got to hear about it. Is that is that kind of the nature of open source stuff that it's all done <laughs> out in the open, so the controversies get picked up by everybody? Where maybe in a regular non open source business, that would all be done with closed doors and committees, and nobody would hear anything about it. There's a weird dysfunction in WordPress right now that I'm really trying to address, which is people don't talk to each other. So 
you know, the, the big post that just came out on the accessibility blog, there was no one from Gutenberg or Core that read that or commented on it or anything like that. So it's kind of just tossed over the transom. Um, that's not a way any two teams should work together. And how someone on the team privately described it to me is that folks who advocate for accessibility are often in adversarial roles, even within their companies, to really fight for users. Um, I think we're in a situation here where we want the exact same thing, which is WordPress to reach the widest possible audience. Um, it sounds like you're, com- you, you, you know, you are committed to getting more stuff in. Do you, do you have any news on specific things that will be tackled in the foreseeable future? Perhaps speaking to the, the article, you know, some of the specific points about, I don't know, keystrokes or the number of things that need to be done to, to achieve fairly, fairly straightforward tasks. Well, it's one of the things that we need to do is really break apart the arguments. Because when you dig in there, you have criticism on WordPress or Gutenberg's timeline. You have criticisms about block editing in general and the complexity that introduces for whether you have accessible needs or not. Um, you have you have criticisms on our use of ARIA, <laughs> which is something we included and spent a ton of time on just to do this. Um, yeah. It's often, often not apples to apples. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can't compare the number of clicks or the number of, of types to type in a single text box in the classic editor versus creating a gallery in the new one. Or, you know, and so, I mean, this is part of my frustration. And I've said it over and over, I'll continue to, is that there's a lot of things in Gutenberg that are far more accessible <laughs> than they were in TinyMC. We just didn't, we haven't made a big deal of it before. There's so many parts. It's not like all of WordPress was WCAG, AA, and now we're not anymore. There's actually huge swaths of it that aren't. And it's something that I really want to get us working on. And that's another thing that we need to come to an agreement on. What's the key activity in WordPress? Well, I was just going to say it speaks to the fact that this is well more a concern than ever. Um, you know, perhaps in previous iterations, this never raised its head above the parapet and now um you know these 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 people are speaking out and they've 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 got their they've got their voice and i think it's good that you're addressing it um but like you say you are where you are and it's software um and you (laughs) we have to compare apples to apples yeah so compare the block editor to the widgets editor or navigation menus and the accessibility of those and the number of kind of keyboard clicks compare it to any other page builder <laughs> so not just the propriety ones like wix and squarespace compare it to beaver compare it to elementor compare it to the ones built on top of wordpress are things getting better or worse for these users and what is their path so is there an option for example in the classic editor <laughs> yes. where things will work exactly like they are today <laughs> it's literally so for anyone who's concerned about this that's why that's why it's one of the things that I don't think, you know, holding back the software longer will necessarily help versus releasing it and iterating on it. It's It'll be the same amount of input, but we can get better, you know, output in terms of actual getting this improvements in the hands of real users and allowing developers to build on it. When developers start, also you have to compare what people are doing in custom plugins and interfaces now to what they'll be able to do 
with the block guidelines, which will be so much more accessible than the dozens of custom things that different plugins do. Should somebody be listening to this who wishes to, you know, put their put their two cents in, what would be the best what would be the best line of communication? Where should they go to speak about accessibility, to make their voice heard louder? Well, first I would say any line of communication. <laughs> so just writing a blog post or just, you know, yelling on Twitter is not super successful. Um, or it hasn't had the results that we wanted to thus far. You know, there's a core meeting every week, um, WordPress, core Slack. Um, I'm on a Slack and, you know, I didn't get any pings from any members of that team prior to that post. So that's a good example where, like, if we just talk more, I think that we can actually get the real results that we all want. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on very quickly. I know you're pushed for time. Um, post Gutenberg. So maybe people don't know, but Gutenberg is a three-pronged, three-tier, three-stage event. Well, this is stage one. Um, so when this finally comes into five, uh, that stage is complete and new leads have been appointed. What, what, are, the, what are the things that are going to happen in stages two and three over the coming years? Sure. I've announced stages phase one and two. I said I will announce phase three and four at WordCamp US this year. So stay tuned. Ah, okay. In which case, yes, I will. I will. <laughs> I will press you no further. Phase two is is taking it from being just posting pages to really allowing you to edit the entire site. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned. It, it's going to do a lot more. Hey, I'll tell you something that fascinated me that I saw recently. I don't know if you've got anything about this, but I, I noticed that it had been picked up by the Drupal guys. Um, and there's this talk of like a repository of blocks, a, a cross cross CMS repository of blocks. Now that's really got me unexpectedly excited. How do you feel about mm-hmm. that? It's so funny. Like other CMSs, including you know Drupal, WordPress, uh, sorry Drupal Blogger, Typo Three, Arts Boring, Adapting Gutenberg, were in the WordPress world, were like cannibalizing it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, from everything I saw, I watched a couple of long videos at DrupalCon. Uh, You know, the applause and clapping and, you know, it's sort of general massive excitement. It was really exciting. (laughs) And then when they when they committed to the the block, I'm going to call it a block archive, a a shop where you can go and pick up blocks and and throw them into Gutenberg. I just thought that's that's so fabulous. That's so great. and I hope you do too. I mean, I was a, a big Drupal user until not, not so many years ago. So that just speaks speaks wonders to me. We have something with Gutenberg that is not just going to transform WordPress. It's going to change how people publish on the web yeah. across all CMSs. And the idea of cross-CMS blocks is so exciting to me. That's why we wrote it this way. That's why, that's why we created the parsers in multiple languages for <laughs> inputting and outputting Gutenberg. We want it to be a web editor. And the language of the web is HTML. We didn't want it to be just another proprietary, you know, a fancy array format that we're spitting things in and out of. That's proprietary to WordPress. It's very exciting. It's exciting. Very, yeah, genuinely very exciting. Um, I know you're busy. I know that we've used up more time than we should. So um, unless you've got anything super significant that you want to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say thank you for making the effort to speak to me today. I'm sure our audience will appreciate you as well. And yeah, thanks for coming on and talking to us about Gutenberg. I feel like I've bashed you over the head a lot. I hope it didn't come across too much like that. Um, Not at all. Good. These are things that I'm I'm happy to talk about. Great. Like you said, for those people who are really angry or have a lot of concerns, I'm happy to talk 
any of them as well. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what I do is I, I think if we actually have conversations about these things, we'll understand each other better Yeah. and we'll be able to move forward better. And I will say to anyone listening to this, if you like working on these things, Automatic is hiring. So all over the world, we're 800 people now and growing very quickly. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much indeed. Thanks, Matt, for coming on and talking to us today. Of course. Today's podcast was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thanks to GoDaddy Pro for sponsoring this episode of WP Builds. Here's what you get with GoDaddy Pro. Pro sites to monitor and manage all your WordPress installations, no matter where they're hosted. Pro clients to manage your clients' GoDaddy products on their behalf. And Pro rewards for exclusive discounts and special offers. And the best part, you get all of this for free. Learn more and sign up at godaddy.com forward slash pro. We thank GoDaddy for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Phew! You made it to the end. Congratulations. Very well done. I hope you enjoyed listening to Matt Mullenweg. I certainly enjoyed talking to him um, a little while ago. It was absolutely fascinating getting to know him a little bit. If you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to help us out, please go to wpbuilds.com and share any of the episodes that you find there. The menu item at the top includes an archive link, and in there you'll find the archive to the podcast episodes. There's obviously 101 of them now, and if you search through those, you might find something that we've done in the past couple of years that suits you. And we also produce a news bulletin where I read out the WordPress news every Monday morning. It's only about 10 or 15 minutes long, so it's the sort of thing that you could listen to on your commute. Also, if you click on the buttons underneath the podcast player on any of the episodes and share it, iTunes and so on, and subscribe, go to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe and yeah, join the mailing list and join us on the Facebook group and so on. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye and we'll see you next week.